Hey guys, welcome to my reality. My name is Elle and today I'm here for another Sunday Stories. So exciting. This one's going to be on Orpheus. Before I get started, I just want to say, wow. Okay, so I'm doing this kind of late on Sunday. I'm a little bit a little tired guys i know i probably should just say you know what let me do this tomorrow but i don't i don't want to wait so um you know when your body says sleep but your mind says no go go <laughs> i think this is what i should probably listen to my body but i don't know i'm, I'm kind of being a little rebellious here and um deciding to go forward with this instead so and I think because I really want to tell that I really like this story there's just so much to this that I want to talk about so I apologize if I don't sound as energetic if I sound good great if I don't sorry <laughs> all right let's get started with Orpheus Now, Orpheus was a musician whose voice had extraordinary powers, which could charm mortals. Orpheus sang while playing his lyre instrument. And when he did, even the animals would gather to listen. And the gods, actually. They would listen from Mount Olympus just to hear him sing. That's how amazing and wonderful Orpheus's voice was. Now, his parents may have something to do with this. So his mother was Calliope, which means beautiful voice. She is one of the nine muses who presides over eloquence and epic poetry. And his father was Iagoras, or Iagoras, king of Thrace. Now, other depictions of Orpheus's origins say that his father may have actually been Apollo. So, and if you don't know who Apollo is, he's the god of music. So that may be more aligned with the fact that Cal Calliope being his mother and his father being Apollo. But we know he's a demigod, so we can't have both Calliope and Apollo being his parents. So either his mother was Calliope and, or his father was Apollo. We're not sure. Um, and Calliope would actually, as the nine muses, including Calliope, would, would follow Apollo everywhere, <laughs> apparently. I don't know if it's everywhere or just in certain places. I still don't know too much of that background yet. Now, when Orpheus was born, Apollo did lay a lyre on the foot of his bed with nine strings. And that was in honor of the nine muses. So Orpheus learned how to play the lyre at a very early age. His songs celebrated the origin of the gods and the creation of the world. And as he grew up, his talent grew as well. Orpheus wanted adventure though. He went out to travel the world and he was welcomed by everyone. One morning, he was in Thessaly and he heard someone named Jason was going on an adventure to get the Golden Fleece. Now, this fleece was the coat of a winged ram called Chrysomelus. Orpheus was so inspired by the Golden Fleece story that he wrote a song about it. 
Now, if you ever wondered, well, how did the fleece get out of Greece? I just realized that rhyme. <laughs> how did the fleece get out of Greece? Well, it ended up so far out of Greece because of a family conflict. A brother and sister named Phrixus and Helle were victims of their horrible stepmother who hated them so much that she plotted to get rid of them by convincing their father to sacrifice them. The siblings pleaded with Zeus to help them, and he did choose to help them, and he rescued them by sending his golden fleece, Chrysomalus. And as they hopped on and took off for Colchis, Colchis, I can never say this name of the, of the city, it's called Colchis. During their flight, Helle, the sister, got curious and tipped over way too far and ended up falling over at the entrance of the Black Sea. And you could actually see where she fell because they named it after her. It's called Hellespont. So if you ever go to Greece and you go to the entrance of the Black Sea, you would have to enter through Hellespont. It's named after Helle. There you go. Now, when Phrixus arrived at Colchis, he arrived, sorry, he sacrificed the lamb in honor of Zeus and hung his golden fleece on a sacred oak tree. Now, you think it'd be easy to just get the fleece and then take it from the tree. However, the king that ruled over Colchis put the massive dragon to guard it. Now, Jason wasn't afraid of dragons or any other beasts. He was 20 years old. So, you know, usually people at that young age are very fearless. But he really needed this fleece for his own country so he can win the throne. The problem is that anyone who would take this quest would die. So there were very, there were a lot of dangers to this quest. Orpheus asked Jason if he can come along but Jason at first was kind of reluctant since he didn't understand why he needed a musician slash poet on his quest. He didn't see the use for Orpheus. I can probably see that. <laughs> Orpheus stated that his lyre was a gift from Apollo and that his music and poetry can help his crew in moments of despair. So Jason agreed for him to come along. So they got on the Argo boat. Now this is a massive boat built by the man named Argus. He named it after himself. Why not, right? And Jason's crew consisted of men and women all over Greece to participate in this quest. And he chose 52 of the best and they were called Argonauts. Now, if you're a Canadian or a fan of Canadian football, you know that the Toronto Canadian football team is called the Argonauts. So if anybody wants to know where the name came from, now you know. Now, while on their journey, Orpheus's strange calm voice slash music really helped the oarsmen to row really well. And it calmed the sea and even charmed the dragon for them to get the fleece. Now, during the night on their way back, an unknown island came into view and suddenly voices from the sea began to sing, kind of like a chant. And the voices started to rise above the sea and up into the sky. 
But soon, the sailors were under its spell and ready to jump into the sea and join the voices. Now you're probably wondering, well, who's saying all these voices? If you know anything about sea creatures and mythology, well, these were the sirens. The sirens were lovely, lovely creatures on the outside. They're half human and half fish. So basically they were mermaids, but they were actually more deadly and they always went after mortals when rowing on the sea. Orpheus grabbed his lyre and began to sing and thankfully his singing drowned out the sirens. It drowned it out so much that the sirens actually started to stay quiet and then finally they disappeared. The Argos were saved. The sirens were so mad at being drowned out by Orpheus that most of them killed themselves. So the adventure was over for the Golden Fleece, but Orpheus wanted more. So he went to Egypt where he was taken in by priests of Memphis. He stayed in, he's actually stayed there for 20 years. He was initiated by dedicating himself to the new deities, but he did never he never rejected the Olympian gods. One morning, Orpheus was walking through the woods and he saw this lovely dryad named Eurysis. And if you don't know what dryad is, it's basically a nymph who lives amongst the trees in the forest. She was beautiful and it was love at first sight. So she loved him, he loved him. She was everything to him and he was everything to her. So he asked her to marry him and she said, yes. <gasps> now you think that'd be the end, but of course this is Greek mythology, man. We do not end a story on a good note that never happens. There's more. Orpheus invited every god and goddess in the uh, pantheon to the wedding. And on the day of the ceremony, they were all there. Suddenly in one of the rooms, a torch began to flicker. No one was there and no wind was to be felt. And this torch belonged to Hymen, which is the patron god of weddings. After so much flickering of this flame, the flame eventually died out. Now this is known to be a bad omen. Months and months went by and each day Orpheus and Eurydice's love for one another grew stronger and stronger until one day Orpheus was outside in the meadow composing some poetry and all the nymphs were dancing around. Everyone was happy. Eurydice wandered off and saw a forest with sunlight, which there she decided to lay down in the patch of flowers. She had fallen asleep when a young shepherd came by. His name was Aristius. He was so mesmerized by Eurydice's beauty that he took a few steps closer and leaned over to get a better look at her. And then when he tried to embrace her, Eurydice got up and screamed. She jumped and fled across the field. Now, while running, she wasn't really paying attention to the snake that was crawling across her path. The snake jumped and bit her in the ankle. She staggered and eventually she collapsed in the tall grass. Orpheus finally found Eurydice, but he was too late. She was already dead. Orpheus let out a huge wailing scream. It was so loud that the nymphs ran up scared. Orpheus did not accept that he would lose his love to death. So he did something that no mortal ever did before. 
he would go down to the underworld and find her to get her back. Now, taking his lyre, he made his way to the river Styx, and he saw old Charon and took his lyre out and started singing to him. Charon was Bezerai, so he took uh, Orpheus with him in front of Servius, you know, the three-headed dog, and he played music for him and charmed his way through Cerberus, who also then led him through the entrance to the underworld. Now, if you don't know who Charon and Cerberus is, I recommend that you listen to my Hades story. You'll learn a little bit more about them. Now, he finally made it all the way into the underworld where he was met with both Hades and Queen Persephone. He bowed to show respect and then sang his grief to them. He saw in Persephone's eyes that she could understand the pain he was going through as she too was separated and taken away from her mother. Orpheus's music was so powerful in the underworld that it even reached as low as Tartarus. Everything there stopped. Hades was moved to tears. And finally, he told Orpheus that he can leave with Eurydice. However, it was the law of the underworld that on the narrow path, that leads up to the surface, he'll go up first and his wife will be behind him and he must not turn around, not until he sees the light of day. So Orpheus was so happy and overjoyed and he agreed to do what Hades told him. Now again, you think that'd be easy enough, right? Just keep walking, don't look back until you get on the surface. So Orpheus started up the path and kept walking without turning around. So they both made their way past the unbroken silence, Orpheus in the front, Eurydice in the back. They climbed rocks, they jumped over chasms. They almost reached the light. It was not that many steps left that they would get there and see the rays of sun. It was at that moment that Orpheus was so close to the end and he decided to turn around and look straight into Eurydice's eyes. Immediately, Eurydice began to recede backwards. She reached out for him, he reached for her, but she kept going back. It was too late. She was being pulled by large hands. Eventually, she was swallowed up by the darkness. Orpheus cried to Hades and his queen, but Hades stated that there's nothing he can do for him and he was taken back to the surface. Now the question is, why did Orpheus turn back? He was so close. And unfortunately, no one knows. And no one has the answer to that. And this is something that us mortals sometimes encounter. We tend to go for success. And just when the success is there and we're so close and we've done most of the hard work, all that's left is just the smallest thing to overcome. That's when we are so tempted to undo all we've done. What does that say about us? Is it saying that we don't deserve it? Is Orpheus saying he doesn't deserve Eurydice subconsciously? I don't know. So at this point, Orpheus was in sorrow and his music that he played was all heart-wrenching and depressing. And one day, Orpheus refused to sing for a group of maenads. Now, if you don't know who the maenads are, these are female devotees to Dionysus. They decided they had enough of Orpheus's melancholy music and decided to rip Orpheus into pieces. 
And in their drunken rage, they cut off Orpheus's head and threw it in the river. Now you're probably like, how'd they get drunk? Well, Dionysus is the god of wine. So they were, when you're a devotee to Dionysus, you're pretty much drunk all the time. Now, another story or another depiction of this situation with the Menas, they say that the Menas actually went after Orpheus because since he's either Orpheus's, sorry, Apollo's son, and since these Menas were devotees to Dionysus, Dionysus and Apollo, they were pretty much enemies with each other, even though they were related. And this was an opportunity for the Menas to kill Orpheus on behalf of their um, lovely uh, Dionysus. So there's two different, I guess, versions of this that may have happened of why they did this. Now, something interesting happened after they threw his head into the river. The decapitated head was still singing and it was singing the sad song while being carried out to sea by the current and eventually stopped at the island of Lesbos. When the animals heard Orpheus singing, they all started to cry, and even the trees shed their leaves and went into mourning. Now the muses took Orpheus's body pieces and buried them at the foot of Mount Olympus and gave his lyre to Zeus. To Zeus, sorry. Zeus placed the lyre beside him in the middle of the sky to honor Orpheus. And you could still see the constellation today on some nights it's called lyra so if you ever want to use i think there's an app on your phone you can check out constellations you can look for lyra which is orpheus's lyre now another theme of orpheus could be that it's important to just keep looking forward to the light and don't look back meaning don't look to the past because why are we tempted to always look back and have trouble focusing on moving forward. So this is another question that I think will never be answered, but maybe we can try to change how we perceive life. I really enjoyed the story. I think there's so much that we can break from this and think about our own situations and our own lives. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode of Sunday Stories and learn something new. And I hope you all take care and I'll talk to you guys next time. Love you. Bye.